0: Awesome. Well, I'm excited to be able to bring the word to you tonight. Thank you, Pastor, for asking me to uh, do this with you. Um, it's always um, exciting, but yet, on the other hand, challenging and uh, a little nerve wracking um, because I don't do this every week. So it's a little bit like, oh my gosh, you know, these people. But I'm reminded of the scripture that says, don't look at their faces. So I'm not looking at your faces. I'm looking beyond you, you know, so. No, but I always pray and ask the Lord to open up my eyes and to let me see their hearts the way that he sees them. And uh, so let's go to the Father God in prayer right now. Father, we're taking a deep breath right now, breathing you in and releasing all of our cares, anxieties, and concerns upon you. Lord, we do that so that we can focus on you and what your word has to say for us tonight. Lord, I'm asking, Lord, tonight for impartation. Father, and as the impartation is given, Lord, I'm thanking you for revelation. And as revelation comes, Lord, eyes opened, hearts opened, I thank you, Father, that as impartation comes, revelation comes, and transformation. Lord, we don't want to be the same. We want to go from glory to glory, from faith to faith, Father. We don't want to be the same. So, Father God, we're saying tonight, here we are. We're willing and we're obedient, and we are here to hear your word and to have transformation happen in our lives as we take and apply your word tonight. In Jesus' name. And all those said, agreed, said, amen, amen. So, um, as you know, I love to uh, hear stories, people's stories, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about my story as we get started into this. Um, Greg, is there going to be a clock up there? I mean, I've got mine on my phone, but, uh, yeah, that'd be great. Count me down to 45. Can you do that? All right, great. Um, some of you know uh, my our story. Some of you don't, so I'm just going to give you a real quick synopsis of who I am, where I come from, <laughs> and why I am this way. You know, <laughs> um, but uh, so I was born and raised in Marietta, Ohio. Which, if you don't know where that is, if you take 77 South from Cleveland, Ohio, and go straight south. You come to the last uh, crossing into from Ohio into West Virginia. It's a little town called Marietta. I was born and raised there. And uh, then uh, and I, then I was raised in a church called the Nazarene Church. So I um, grew up in the Nazarene Church. If you don't know what the Nazarene Church is, it's a holiness church, um, not spirit-filled. Although we did believe in the Holy Spirit, we believed in sanctification, which is a second work of grace according to the Nazarene church, which probably the, West, or the Wesleyans were like the same, same way. So, um, or the free Methodist, um, they all derived from the same place. <laughs> um, so, as I became a teenager, of course, you know, I knew a better way and went my own way and walked in it for a little while. And then when I was about... Uh, 22, 20, 23, I decided, you know what? I'm tired of going my own way. Um, a few years before that, I had gotten back into church and had gotten filled with the Holy Spirit and um, had heard some of faith, a little bit of faith, a little bit of you know confession, a little bit of you know healing, things like that. Um, and uh, but but I still wasn't. I mean, I was walking with God, but I wasn't. You know, it was my convenience, at my convenience. That's how I was walking with God. Then, and when I was 23, the summer that I was 23, I got so frustrated with riding the roller coaster ride in my spiritual walk that I just finally threw my arms up and said, "I surrender. I'm done. I'm done." Playing the game, Lord, it's just going to be you, me, and I had Greg as my little boy. I said, it's just going to be you, me, and Greggy. And we're just going to serve Jesus all the days of our lives. I don't need anybody else. And then, of course, two weeks later, he walks into the church, and the rest was history. So, you know, but I I was raised in a denomination that didn't teach a lot of what you're hearing here in this church. So, but my home life was very positive. My home life was, even though we came from a his, hers, and ours background, um, my parents made sure that that they were very positive in our lives. And um, uh, they just instilled within us some good, godly principles. And they tried to instill good, godly morals. But, you know, the flesh is the flesh. So, you know, and, and sometimes kids just have to go and, test out that flesh, and that's what I did. Richard, on the other hand, Pastor, on the other hand, was raised in a very negative home, very negative environment. And um, so he carried carried that with him throughout the years. So when he got born again, it was a radical born-again experience. And when he got filled with the Holy Ghost, it was a radical infilling of the Holy Ghost and when he decided to sell out to the word of God it was a radical selling out to the word of God he didn't have to unlearn a bunch of denominational garbage and, and don't get me wrong I'm not I'm not criticizing denominations because I think they, they serve their purpose um, they serve their point I mean I learned a lot in, my, in our denomination I learned, I learned about holiness didn't live it but I learned about it One reason why I didn't live it was because nobody told me that it's by grace you are saved, not by works. So even though it was in the scripture, I didn't know that. Um, But, you know, I also learned about salvation in the Nazarene church. I learned about, I did learn about that thank God for his grace, and thank God there is a second work of grace, sanctification. And I had the second work, the third work, the fourth work, the fifth work, the sixth work, so on and so on in my life. So... But it wasn't until that I began to really understand and really started hearing the word of faith that I began to identify with the word and I got off that spiritual roller coaster. It wasn't until I understood who I was in Christ Jesus that I began to understand that I don't have to ride, I don't have to get on and off the roller coaster. Right. I'm on this ride with Christ and I don't have to keep getting on and off of it. And, and and it's not that it's a smooth ride, but if I'm going up this hill and there's something coming over the ridge and I don't know what it is, I know that Jesus is in the seat next to me and we're going down together but he's going to bring me back up, back up out of it. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, sometimes we get into this walk and we think that it's all going to be smooth. There's not going to be any problems. We're not going to have any issues. You know, when we, when, you know, like I said, when, you know, I was raised in a good positive home, he was raised in a very negative home. When we came together and we had kids, we said, our home will not be like our parents' home. The first time we fought and argued, he cried. And I said, what's wrong with you? And he says, we're just like our parents. And I said, we're not like our parents. We're fighting. And I said, of course we're fighting. We're people. We're humans. We're going to fight. But it's what we do afterwards. It's how we get through this that's going to make us or break us. And I said, we are not our parents. So then we, had, we started having kids. And you think, we're going to teach our kids the word, which we did. We're going to teach them how to listen to the Holy Ghost. And we did. And we're going to get them filled with the Holy Ghost. And we did. And then they went their own way. And then you go, what the heck just happened here? So it's not always a smooth ride. This is what I found out. God is always with me. He's always with me. And there's always been just at the right time that I needed to know that I knew, that I knew, that I knew that God was with me or that God was with my kids. A word of the Lord would come forth, either through the scripture or through a prophet, or through the pastor, or through a teacher, somewhere a word of the Lord would come forth, and I would go, oh, that's, yes, Lord, I repent for doubting you, and we're going to do this together. I remember one time we were at a conference, um, I I think it was down in Ohio, and it was a new... um, a new uh, group that we were with, and they, they didn't really know us. Um, some people knew us, but they didn't really know us. And the, and the uh, guy who was teaching, he didn't know us, and he flowed in the gifts of the Spirit. And he started to minister in the gifts of the Spirit. And he said, All of a sudden, he says, Now, there's somebody here, there's a, some parents here, and you have, a, you have a child, and their name begins with an A. And, you're, and they're having struggles. You're, you're, dealing, you're dealing with situations with them. I about fell out of my seat? Because our middle daughter's name is Angeline. So, you know, you kind of look at each other. You go, do we dare raise our hands? I mean, you know, what are we going to do here? And he said, who, you know, he's going, who is, who is that here that has this? So we kind of go, this. that's us. You know, of course, we're in a group that they don't know us. And none of you all were there, so we didn't care that anybody knew that we, had, we were having issues with a kid. So, you know, we, so he, he comes over and begins to prophesy over us and pray over us. And, 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 and with, with that child, each, there was just time after time after time, as soon as I would hit a wall, God would bring somebody else along and they would, they would give us a word. Or I would read a scripture in the, in the, in the Bible that pertained to what we were going through or something would happen. It just, it became a thing. We're talking about faith building here, okay? It became a thing that I was like, okay, God, I'm going from glory to glory here and from faith to faith here. Because to tell you the truth, when I first started, started this journey with our children, I thought, oh my gosh, and I told Richard, they're all going to hell. That's it, they're all going to hell. This is who they are. They're all going to hell. And the one time I kept saying, My kids are idiots. My kids are all just idiots. They're all idiots. They're all idiots. And then we were at a Christine Kane conference. I think, I don't know if anybody was here and here with that went with, Did you go with us, Maureen? Down to Akron is here. So we were at, it was sat down, and of course, Christine Kane, if you've ever heard her, she's full of the word. She preaches the word, and she just boom, 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 boom. And I'm sitting there going, Oh, shoot. I can't say my kids are idiots anymore. <laughs> so Mona, Mona was in the car with me, and I looked at Mona on the way home, and I said, Mona, because all the way down, I told Mona, my kids are idiots, my kids are idiots, my kids are idiots, my kids are idiots. Kids are idiots. And, and then so after we, we got in the car to come home, and I told her, I said, you have permission the next time you hear me say, my kids are idiots to slap me. She goes, okay. <laughs> she was willing to do that. My whole point is is that I'm so thankful for listening to and coming across people who taught us the word of faith, who taught us how to grow our faith, who brought the word of faith to us because it sustained us whenever, you know, we didn't have those Holy Ghost moments. You all know what I'm talking about? I mean we could come in here on a Sunday morning and roll on the floor and lay out on the floor for hours and just hoop and holler and pray in tongues all we want and cry all we want and laugh all we want. But you know what? You gotta get up and go home sometime. I know you're saying, do I have to? (laughs) Yes, you do. You gotta get up and go home sometime. You gotta get up and go to work sometime. You got so and then you're you're facing the next day and you're going, what happened to all of that? Ooh stuff. That's where the word of faith comes in because you remember what the word told you. Not that the Holy Ghost isn't there. He is there with you. But we're not moved by what we feel. Thank you, Adam. We're not moved by what we feel. We're moved by what the word of God says. What did he say? So it's nice to have all the feelings. It's good. I love a good feeling. But when it comes down to the rubber meets the road, I need something that's going to get me through. And, that's, that's re- and I've always come back to, what did God say? What does God say? And so tonight, I just want to um, bring some scriptures to you. How many of you participated in the um, Bible Say that we did on Renewing the Mind, that we did on Zoom? Okay, a few of you. So we're going to talk about a few of those scriptures tonight. Um, and I've got 34 minutes already. Wow. Okay. All right. So I want you to turn with me in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. I want to encourage you to bring your Bible, bring paper to write with, bring, a, or bring paper to write on, bring pen or pencil to write with, because, you know, that's one thing that we never went anywhere. <laughs> Without our Bible, without a notebook, and without paper, or without a pen. We had it with us all the time. Church, conferences, Bible studies in homes, in the car, by our bed, at our desk, wherever, because you just don't know when a scripture's going to pop out at you, or you're going to hear the pastor say something, or the teacher say something, and you're going, oh, that's good, i got to write that down, because you know what? Come, Wednesday, come come Sunday, you're going to forget 90% of what I'm saying tonight. No, Sharon, you're just that good. We're not going to forget anything that you said. Yeah, you will. Because life is going to happen, and if you don't write it down, if you don't rehearse it, if you don't listen to it over and over again, you will forget it. So it's important that we write these things down. Amen? So let's look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Besides that, you're a good student of the Word and you're studying yourself, you're studying to show yourself approved. Okay, this is how they amplified. It says, for the word that God speaks is alive and fully and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, penetrating to the dividing line of the breath of life, the soul, and the immortal spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and of the deepest parts of our nature, exposing and sifting and analyzing and judging the very thoughts and purposes of the heart. And not a creature exists that is not concealed from his sight, but all things are open and exposed, naked and defenseless, to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So what is the writer of Hebrews saying here? The Word of God is alive, it's active, it's powerful. For what purpose? For what purpose is that Word alive and active and powerful for us? It, it comes, the Word of God, whenever we apply it to ourselves and we, we read it over and over again and we renew our mind, renewing the mind is, is basically, you know, uh, pastor had someone in his office years ago and she was really struggling with something. And, and so he was walking her through the process of renewing your mind. And she said, well, it sounds like brainwashing. And he said, it is. You need your brain washed. Our brain is so full of stuff we take in. It's, it's, the brain is such a, a miraculous organ that God has put within our heads. It's, I mean, it, it's, it's, the, it's better than a Mac computer we just don't tap into it like we do our Mac computer but if we would the potential that is there is just phenomenal it has it has the ability to take in while it's also giving out it has the ability to remember things and store things in the back of the brain and at at, at any moment that you need to total recall you can recall that thing have you ever wondered how you do Oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember, you know. And that's why it's so important to renew your mind with the Word because as you do, then when life begins to happen, when you begin to get pressed, what's going to come out of you? Hopefully. What you, what you put in is what's going to come out. I want the Word. I'm with Adam. I want the Word to come out. I can tell you and be honest with you, it hasn't always come out. When I've been pressed at times, there's times that things came out of my mouth, and I'm like, oh, and as it came out of my mouth, all of a sudden my spirit man was like, yeah, is that really what you wanted to say? No, it's not. So I'm trying to, re- and you know, once those words come out, you can't, you can't reach back and, and take them and put them back in. They're out there. So all you can do is repent and say, you know what, I'm, I'm sorry. That's, that's not how I meant to say that. That's not what I meant to say. This is what I really wanted to say. <laughs> so you start okay, no, wait a minute, that's not. And so, we, but if we put the word in, word in us, whenever we're pressed on it, what does Paul say? Whenever we're pressed on every side, whenever we're encumbered about by everything, by life itself, what's going to come out? It's, the word is going to come out. But it takes renewing the mind. It takes it takes time to put in garbage in, garbage out. Good stuff in, good stuff out. Amen. All right, so um, let's look at Romans chapter 10 in verse 17, and I'm going to read this one. Romans chapter 10, in verse 17, of course we know y'all hopefully you all know that Romans 10, nine and 10, is one of the roads to salvation. If you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you, sh- you are saved. So we use that scripture. And then he goes on to say, and down through there through the verses, um, he says, uh, he talks about, but how, in verse 14, but how are people to call upon him who have they not believed, and how are they to believe if they, if they haven't heard, and how are they to hear if no one is sent? And then in verse 17, he says... And so then, and this is out of the Passion Translation, faith then is birthed in a heart that responds to God's anointed utterance of of the Holy One, of the anointed One. Faith then is birthed in a heart that responds to God's anointed utterance. God's anointed utterance. You say, I just want to hear God's voice. I just want to hear, I want God to give me a word. I just want to hear God's voice. This is my Bible. My Bible's on here. This is God speaking to me. You know, pastor has us do that confession. Everybody hold up your Bibles. Repeat after me. This is my Bible. I am who it says I am. I have what it says I have. This is God's word speaking to me. This is, this is holy. That's why they call it a holy Bible. This is holy anointed words of God. Holy, anointed words of God. And when you and I speak these words, those words are holy utterances. Those words are holy sayings. Those words are anointed sayings. When you speak God's word, You are releasing anointing. You're releasing God's anointing over your life. You're releasing God's anointing over a situation. You're releasing God's anointing over people. When you speak God's word, they are anointed words. Let's just sit for a second and just take that in. That when I say God's word... I'm speaking holy words. Holy words. It's a concept that today, I don't think that there's too many things that have awed us. Awed us? Awed us? A-W-E-D? Sorry, sometimes my southern accent gets in the way. I don't think there's too many things today that we go... that was, this is holy. This is a holy moment. And I believe that one of the reasons is is because we're too busy. We're too scattered. We're too involved. We're too distracted. And so we don't have, we don't take the time to sit and go, this is a holy moment right here. This is an awe uh, moment, Father God, that as I speak your word. I remember one time we had a prophet in, at our church in Marietta, and uh, he was in the office, and we had a young woman that was attending our church, and she was, she was a pipe fitter welder, Sharon. And uh, she was she was she was a brute. I mean, she was just you know. But she was a new babe in Christ, and she was hungry. She came to our house one day, and she picked up Greg's children's Bible. You know, the one that's written in the cartoon form. So it had it had you know like in it had the story of creation. In the beginning, it was in the car. It was like in cartoon form, uh, style. So. So she picked it up, she started reading it. She goes, can I take this home? And I said, sure, don't you have a Bible? I mean, I can get you a Bible that you can read. She goes, no, this is perfect because I've never read these accounts. I don't know anything about Noah. I don't know anything about Abraham. I don't know anything about Paul on the road to Damascus. So she took it home and within a week, she had read the whole thing. And it became real to her, it became alive to her. Sharon was hungry. She was hungry. She, she got filled with the Holy Ghost, but she was hungry. And so this guy, he was a prophet, he was in. And Sharon and I, and I don't know how Sharon ended up in your office, but the prophet was in there and, and I was in there with Sharon. And, and uh, he reached out and took Sharon's hand and said, Nice to meet you. And I was standing over here, and I was getting ready to step in and say, yeah, this is Sharon, and kind of explained to him who she was, where she was coming from, and everything. And God just got a hold of me and said, step back. And I stepped back, and I realized this is a holy moment right here. And he began to speak over Sharon and began to say things to her, began to reveal things that only God would know that Sharon knew. And it was a holy moment. It was something that I was just like, oh, thank God, Sharon, you shut your mouth. You know, because you could have just ruined the whole thing. I mean, okay, so we've had Nancy Dufresne here, and her husband, years ago, right after they were married, came into our church in Marietta, and we had just gone through hell in that church. I mean, just, we had just gone. I don't know what church it is in the revelation that that church was, but I think it was the Hellion Church is what it was. I mean, it's a great church today. They got an awesome pastor. But we had just gone through hell, gone through a building program. We had 13 people within the church in adultery with one another. Hell. It was Hell. And uh, so we had Ed Dufresne come in, who, was, who operated as a prophet. He was a te- prophet teacher. And he came in, and <clears throat> I told Richard before he got there, I said, uh, don't tell him anything that's going on. If he's a true prophet, we'll hear, <clears throat> and we'll, fi- we'll begin to hear things come out. For two days, that guy prophesied to the principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and brought things down and we, and it, it it was a holy moment but it was time that we said that, that we just said to ourselves we got to let god do this we got to stop s- stepping in and trying to fix this ourselves and let god do this yeah. so faith is then birth in a heart that responds to god's anointed utterance of the whole, of the anointed one okay Let's look at Mark chapter 4 out of the Amplified. Mark chapter 4 in verse 24. Mark 4, 24. And he said to them, Be careful what you are hearing. The measure, the thought, and the study that you give to the truth that you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. Now notice here, that the measure of thought and study that you give is not the measure of thought and study that will come out. If you measure, if you give, if you give, if you measure out thought and study, what's going to come out? Virtue and knowledge. That comes back to you. And more besides will be given to you who hear. So as we are responsible... In the word of God, as we are responsible in that, and as we're faithful, as, as we talked, Pastor talked about that scripture last week, you know, that we are students of the word, and as we're students of the word, as we're diligent in that, as we give, as we give thought to that, then, that's, then, then we're going to di- we're gonna be able to discern what is the right thing, right? Say yes. So I know that you're out there. All right, good. Let's look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Again, we're talking about renewing our mind. And, and what, is, what is it that we need to renew? You know, in our mind, our thoughts. That's where our thoughts are. So where our thoughts are, it's in our mind. So we need to have those thoughts renewed. We need to stop thinking thoughts that are contrary to the Word of God. Now, I say that, but understand that that is a process. That is an on until Jesus comes back or you die and go to heaven. That is a process. We will always be dealing with thoughts. But the thing is, is you're going to get a lot quicker with it. The more you practice it, you know, and and Nancy says this, the more that you become skilled in the word, then the the more that you're going to become skilled at pulling down those principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness. So, but the only way to become skilled is that you have to keep doing it over and over and over again. I mean, we got golfers here, Larry, Pastor, John, you know, anybody else in here golf? Any women golf? I like to ride a cart, right, Right, Rita? We like to ride carts. You know, you just don't get out there and just swing a club and expect that you're going to hit it 450 yards. (laughs) <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Who's that guy, Richard? That's that's the big hitter. That he, he won't I mean, that guy can hit the ball, but he didn't he didn't learn that the first time out. He's practiced it and practiced it. You don't get up and putt twenty feet away and get it into the cup. He does. He does. That. Yeah, but let me tell you, he's practiced. He's become skilled. At it, you know. So those of us who are cooks, you know, who like to bake, you know, the first time I baked something, it, you know, (laughs) true story here. Right after we were married, we were on the mission field, (laughs) and and his uncle was down visiting with us, and and you know, I mean, we had no money to go out and eat, so I had to I had to make everything. So we were having biscuits and something else. I can't remember. Maybe they were biscuits for breakfast. And I didn't have any baking powder. So you know what I used instead? I used baking soda. You know what happens when you use baking soda? Your breath is better. (laughs) Your breath is better. But they were like hockey pucks. (coughs) You could have thrown them off the back, back wall and they would have went right through the wall into the next room. I mean, they were hard. So that was my first experience of making biscuits, But the more that I did it without the baking soda, and use baking, make sure I had all the ingredients. I I became skilled in reading the the directions, the recipe, finding out what ingredients I needed. What do I need here in order to make this thing work? And the more that I did that, the more practice I had, the better I became at it. Now, there's some things that I haven't tried yet. Like, I'm not a good cake decorator. You know why? Because I haven't practiced it. I'm not skilled at it. But the more that we become skilled in the Word of God, the more that we learn how to put the Word in, renew our minds, the quicker then that when thoughts come that are contrary to the Word of God, how am I going to know that they're contrary to the Word of God? Because you've hidden the Word in your heart You've hidden God's word in your heart. So when that thought comes that's contrary to the word of God, that word is going to come up and it's going to say, stop. That's not how we think. That's not what we do. Now you have a choice to make. Am I going to ignore this warning and ward off the thought Or am I going to tell this warning, you sit down and be quiet. I want to enjoy thinking this way for a little while. See, we want God to come down and erase all the thoughts. We want God to come down and do away with all the bad habits that we have. I want God to come down and remove my bad appetite, my, 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 uh, my desire for sweets. I want him to come down and remove those from me so I don't have them, so I won't gain weight, so I'll be healthy all the rest of my life. I want God to come and do that for me. That's not how God works. He said, renew your mind, practice, become skilled in it, practice, say no, no, no. And the more that you practice that, the easier it becomes. But God's just not going to come down and take this stuff away from us. You know, Pastor talks about that, you know, he was an alcoholic. And he had to work on, work on not being an alcoholic. So he'd walk home from the bars at night drunk, pull out his mom's Bible, read it as he's going to sleep, pray, ask God to remove the desire for alcohol from him, get up the next morning with a hangover, the next night go do the same thing again, until eventually that desire for the alcohol left him. It was work on his part. Now, he had the Holy Spirit to help him, but he had to become skilled in saying no to the desire but he had the word of God to back him up. So he had, he had some scripture that he could say to go along with, like, I can do all things through Christ Jesus. I'm a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I was an alcoholic. I'm not an alcoholic anymore. He would say that over and over and over again until eventually the desire left. And he's not, you know, I mean, he doesn't he even say I'm a recovering alcoholic. No, that's not his confession. He's been set free. He's been delivered. But he became skilled in the word, okay? All right. Did we read Philippians 4, 8? We did? Okay. All right. So I want to just kind of go over real quick here in the 10 minutes that I have some of the things that Pastor talked about over the last two weeks and in one of his sermons was that those two words, cognitive dis- dissonance, dissonance. So we just talked about how that we renew our mind, how we, we go over the word and how we, uh, we put the word in, you know, but then we have this, this battle, you know. In James, it talks about that, you know, he says, you know, if you lack wisdom, ask of God and who giveth liberally. And then the next verse down through there, he says, "But you know, don't don't be going back and forth because an un, a, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways." So Paul's writing this to believers, telling us that, "Listen, don't be double-minded." So as a believer, can we be double-minded? Shake your head, yes, yes, you can. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Yes, we can be double minded. We can be double minded. So if I'm double minded in an area, I need to look and see okay, am I, first of all, am I double minded in this area? And I need to admit that I am double minded in this area. I can't ignore it and go, no, 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 I'm not double minded. And then allow my body or my actions to prove otherwise. Because you are double minded. And said, he says there, don't think that you're going to get anything from God because an un, un, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. That's what cognitive dissonance is. So it's the state of having inconsistent beliefs, thoughts, beliefs, or attitudes, especially as relating to behavioral decisions or attitude change. Basically, it's a lack of agreement. That's, you're in conflict with yourself. Have you ever felt conflict on the inside? You know, you know. Paul talked about this in, in Romans chapter 7. The things I want to do, I don't do. But the things that I don't want to do, I do. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who's going who's to redeem me from this? Who's going to help me from this? And then in, in chapter 8, he goes on, he says, there is therefore now to, no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk after the Spirit and don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So I can, be, I can be along my way walking after the Spirit, but have the flesh pop up. Oh, my gosh, yes. I mean, just come, come to church on a Sunday morning. You come in here, you're all happy, you're excited, you know God's going to move, he's going to speak, you're going to worship, you're going to see your friends, and you walk in and somebody is sitting in your seat. You have got to be kidding me. Or we're singing that song again. <clears throat> You've got to be kidding me. Or, really, pastor? You're going to receive another offering again? Or he's going to be talking about that again? I mean, so we're, we're unstable. We, we, get, we get in conflict with ourselves. Why? Because the flesh wants to rise up and we have to constantly say no to the flesh. So the dissonance between the truth and what people want to believe is what happens. All right. <clears throat> Let's look at Isaiah chapter 12. Last week, and we're going to finish up with this, last week when Pastor was was teaching, I almost came up out of my skin. I thought, oh! Oh, my gosh, this is so cool. Remember he was talking about the well and how that we come to the well and we draw from the well. You know there's a scripture that talks about that? Somebody tell me where it's at. It talks about drawing from the well. What is it? Yes, thank you, Adam. Isaiah 12, 3. Therefore, with joy, ye shall draw water out of the wells of salvation. So let's look at this word salvation for a minute. Salvation means deliverance, hence, aid, victory, prosperity, health, help, saving health, welfare, okay? So last week, whenever a pastor was talking about that, I was like, oh, Here's a scripture to go with that. And then I had this vision. I actually wanted to get, like, one of those wishing wells, except call it a word well. You know how you, they put those in the yards, you know? And, and so I, I wanted to get one of those, but I didn't have time. Anyway, I had these buckets from a workshop that I do. And I put on them different areas of life that we deal with. Children, health and healing, identity. Anybody ever deal with your identity? oh, I'm no good, I'm nothing, I'm worthless, I'm this, I'm that. So identity, finances, victory. There's so many other, you know, next week I might change them out and put peace, joy, you know, but inside of them, I've put scripture references in here. So after this, after we're done here tonight, you can come up, whatever area it is that, don't look on this side, look on this side. Whatever area it is, for example... This one here is the victory one. So I've put scripture references: First Corinthians fifteen fifty seven. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to tri- triumph. Is that twelve fourteen or fifteen, 15 fifty seven? First John five four. First John five four. Anybody know what that one is? Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Huh? Yeah. You know what that? One is. <laughs> the and this is the victory that overcomes. Even our faith. So there's like three, but this is just a start. so it's just the references. Now you've got to look them up and write them out and renew your mind with them. I just gave you a little snippet. And then from here, you can find other scriptures to go with victory. okay? This is just a jump start for you. So anyway, that's what that is. But as we were ta- as we were thinking, as we were as he was talking about that last week, I was like, Yes, we draw from the well of salvation. The water, the word, the word of God is what washes, washes our mind. The word of God is what cleanses us. It's the word of God is what helps us get our souls in line with what our spirit man, what God, the Holy Spirit, has for us. It's the word of God that does that for us. Okay? Okay. So I'm drawing from this well of victory. I'm drawing from the well. I'm depleted. I'm drawing from the well of finances. I'm drawing from the well of um, identity. I'm drawing from the well of health and healing. I mean, a lot of us need this right now. I mean, we're hearing all the time, every day. If you're watching news, which I hope you're not, but, I mean, or, you know, and you can't help it. I mean, family members are sick. This person's sick. That person's sick. And no condemnation, but we have to fight the good fight of faith. Yeah. And the only way to fight that is with the Word of God. So the other day we got news that our granddaughter, one of our granddaughters, I mean, she's, uh, she's two years old. She has a weakened immune system anyway. She, over the weekend she was carrying a temperature of 103 all weekend. And I'm like, okay, this isn't good. All right, get the word out. We've got to get the word out. And so, you know, anytime we'd hear from Shannon, we'd say, okay, in Jesus' name, I declare over Libby that by the stripes of Jesus, she is healed. I declare that temperature must come down. I speak peace, peace over her body in the name of Jesus. And so by the weekend, her temperature had come down. And she was, I mean, she's, she has the cold is what she has. <laughs> Tested her. She has rhinovirus, which is the common cold, is what she has. So you know, but she's so she's coming through it. But you know, we get out. We get out scriptures. We get out the word of God. I go to sleep listening to Kenneth Hagin at night, talking about health, talking about healing, talking about faith. That I, that's in my ear all night long, because that's what I want. I want health and healing in my body, and so I have to renew my mind to whatever's going on out here and what's trying to get in to here. So you ever heard of the shield of faith? Quenches every fiery dart of the wicked one. What is that shield? It's the word of God. It's the word of God. So three minutes. How do I draw, how do we draw from the well? Well, there in um, in verse, I think it's verse 14 or verse four. Let me just pull this up here. Technology is good, except when it runs slowly. Isaiah chapter 12. Verse 4. This is um, in the Amplified. It says, and in that day you you will say, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, and by means of his name, Declare and make known his deeds among the peoples of the earth. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done excellent, glorious, gloriously. Let this be made known to all the earth. So how do we draw from the well of salvation? First thing is, is that we give thanks. We give thanks. So what is giving thanks? Thanking him for his great deeds. Okay, it's the word yada in the Old Testament, in the, in the Psalms. Psalms is full of, you can just, in your Bible app on your phone, you can just, or even in Google, just pull up, just ask Google, give me um, scriptures, give thanks to the Lord out of Psalms. It'll come up. I mean, there's like a ton, ton of them. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. So we give thanks to, for his great deeds um, it's in the Psalms. It's mentioned mentioned 22 times. Yada, is mentioned 22 times in Psalms. Um, okay, I thought this was really cool. To give thanks, thanks means to throw down. Now, those of you that are younger know what it means to throw down. What it what would it mean to throw down, uh, Stephen? We're going to step outside, okay? <laughs> I'm going to throw down right here. It means that, okay, we're going to get busy. We're going to get serious about this. We're going to get, this is real serious. I'm serious about this. We're throwing down right now. I'm busy about this. I mean, I mean business about this, okay? It means to give thanks, praise, to confess, to confess what God has done. Okay, so that's number one, give thanks to the Lord. The second thing that we do is we call upon his name. So one of the things that we have, and I've just in my recent years, like in the last 10 years, come to realize this, I gotta be open and honest with God. You know what, he knows my heart anyway. And if I'm hiding and saying, oh no, I don't have any, you know, no, I'm not angry at God. No, I'm not bitter. No, I'm not, or I'm not struggling in an area. He knows that you are anyway. So I have to be open and honest with him, and I have to be open and honest with myself. So call upon his name, open and honest. You know, I remember um, several years ago, I was dealing with some female issues, and I had been to the doctor, <clears throat> been for x-rays, been for an ultrasound, been for this, been for that, and they couldn't find anything. And, you know, and I was confessing the word, and I remember sitting in the doctor's office, and the doctor had done the exam, and he comes back in, and he says, Mrs. Jolliff, there just isn't anything wrong with you. And he looked at me, and he said, what's really going on? And I just wanted to slap the man. I just wanted to just say, get, I did tell him, I said, get out, just get out. And so I got dressed, and I left. And that weekend, I laid on the bed. I was in excruciating pain. And I laid on the bed, and and actually, whenever they told me that there was nothing wrong, I was a little bit disappointed. Well, one, you're in pain. You know something's wrong. So I was disappointed that they didn't find out anything. Why wasn't I thankful that there wasn't anything wrong? (laughs) Because I was in pain. So I remember laying on the bed, and and Richard was down here with his prayer partners, and they were... um, Praying, and he he asked them. He said, "Will you please pray for Sharon?" So, at the moment that they were praying, I was reading the word out of Acts chapter four after the lame man that Peter and James had prayed for, and they were brought before the council, and they were questioning them. And Peter began to say, began to preach to them about Jesus. And he said these words. He said, he said, "This man stands before you whole." Because of the name of Jesus, no other name but the name of Jesus, and just like that, there was a talk. Okay, talk about that holy moment. There was a holy moment that came over me, and I was like, <gasps> I mean, it's, it's like my breath was taken away for a second, and I said, "Oh dear God, I am so sorry. I repent." Because I was disappointed, and I was putting my trust in, nothing wrong with doctors, because if I don't have the faith and I need a doctor, thank God the doctor is there, you know, because I want to live and not die. Um, but I, I was putting my trust in the doctor so much so that when he told me nothing was wrong, I was disappointed. I said, Jesus, I'm sorry. And just like that, a holiness just came over me, and the pain left my body, and I haven't had it a problem with it since. You see, that's confessing to God. (laughs) That's being open and honest with God and saying, I got an issue here. I'm sorry. And then allowing his word to come in and to heal. So we give thanks. We call upon his name. We declare and make known his deeds. What is that? We testify. You share with people. You tell people of the goodness of God in your life. You tell, you tell people how God has blessed you, how he's, how he's encouraged you, how he has brought you up, how he's delivered you from depression, how he's delivered you, how he provided for you when there was nothing there to provide for you. God provided for you. How he brought things to you whenever, like, like Dana was sharing last week, gasoline. You think God cares about gas? Absolutely. Absolutely. If you don't have gasoline, he cares about gasoline. Amen. Why? Because he cares about what's concerning you. Right. And so as, as we confess those things and as we then testify about those things, the next thing, the last thing that we do is we worship him. And worship him is different than thanking him. Thanking him is thanking him for the, his deeds, for great things that he's done. Beautiful sunrises, beautiful sunsets, creation, awesome things. You delivered us, you set us free. Worship is is that you come before Him and you bow before Him. And actually, in worship, a lot of times, you're not saying anything. I think sometimes in worship, we can't handle it when it's quiet. And sometimes in worship, there's an awe that comes over the place and you're, just, you're kneeling before God, you're flat before God, you're face down before God, you're honoring him, you're, you're humbling yourself before him, and you're worshiping him. That's worship. You're worshiping him for who he is, what he has done, and what he is doing in your life. Vine's Vines Concordance says to worship means to prostrate oneself, to bow down. The word is found in modern Hebrew in a sense of to bow or to stoop, but not in the general sense of to worship. The fact that it's found more than 170 times in the Hebrew Bible shows something of its culture significance. So in the Old Testament, there was a lot of worship that was going on, not necessarily the worship of the one true God but worship of idols. And what did they do? They bowed bowed before them. So much so that in the one situation, that in the middle of the night, the angel of the Lord came along and knocked their idols down. And they were face down. They were face down. To me, that signifies they were down worshiping God. What does it say in the New Testament? That in those days, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. See, that's worship. We're going to come, and we, we do it in our lives now. We worship you, Father. We honor you for who you are, for what you've done in our lives, for what you are going to do in our lives. That's worship. And so as we begin to do that, we begin to see that, that we can draw then from the well of salvation. John 4, 24 when Jesus was at the well with the the Samaritan woman, he said, God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. His word, his word. Let's stand. Let's just put our palms up before the Father. You can put them... As high as you want to, as low as you want to, <coughs> wherever you want to. Let's just put our palms up before the Father God as a sign of, one, is a sign of surrender. So whatever that is right now in your life that you need to say, Lord, I'm surrendering this to you again. God's okay with that, that it's again. I surrender this to you. Surrendering meaning that my palms are up, God. It's not a fence. It's not a fist. I'm not holding on to it, but I'm releasing it, letting it go. And, Lord, in that surrender, at the same time, I'm bowing before you and I'm honoring you for who you are, for what you have, Thank you, Lord. for what you're doing, for your greatness, Lord, yes. that you are the only true God. There is no other God that I can worship, but only you. The Father God that That, Lord, I could trust you. I could trust you. I could trust your word. I could trust your heart. That you're for me, you're not against me. You're for my family, you're not against my family. You're for my health. You're not against my health. You're for my finances. You're not against my finances. And Lord, I could trust you and I worship you. So Father, as we take your word tonight, Father, and as we draw from the Wells of salvation up here tonight, Lord. May it be something, Father, that, that, Lord, that it's the word that we need at at this moment. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen, amen.